Hello and welcome to Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I'm an architect practicing in Eastern Massachusetts, and my specialty is additions and renovations to existing homes. And this podcast will help take the stress out of your home renovation. You can learn from the other architects I interview, contractors, vendors, experts, other homeowners about their own home renovation so that you can know maybe what you don't know right now. So the idea just being that the more you hear about it, the more comfortable you'll feel. Today's episode is about flooring options. And I brought back interior designer Amy Everard, who you may remember from the episode Architects versus Interior Designers. She's come back to lay out the facts on various materials for us. Amy's mission is to demystify interior design, which she does through her podcast, Soft Landing. Well, I really appreciate you coming back on the show, Amy. It's nice. Oh, to yeah. See you. Thank you for having me. I love I love getting to chat with you. It's the best. So I had been inspired by your post, your Instagram post on linoleum. I thought, well, I can ask Amy about flooring because I've been trying to do an episode on flooring for a long time. I get a lot of questions from people, especially let's just start in the kitchen. Can we start in the kitchen? Because yeah. that covers a lot of types of flooring. People always want to know if they can use wood in a kitchen. And I just had my floors redone after 13 years of abuse from us in our kitchen. So at the time, I was pretty cranky about wood in the kitchen. Well, I think that it kind of depends on how much you use your kitchen. <laughs> um in general, like if you're using your kitchen on a regular daily basis, it's really not the best material to because wood doesn't like water. Wood doesn't like moisture. It when it gets moist, it expands and then it contracts and then it warps. So if you want to have warped stained floors in your kitchen, then wood might work. <laughs> That's just the thing for you. Um, if you want like black marks on your floor and cracks and my dog gets so much water on the floor. Oh like gosh. for years, for however many years, various dogs have gotten so much water. There's just, there was a lot of damage around that. And also we sat around the island and our stools um, ate up, you know, so you could see under where everybody sat. It was like big gray streaks. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, so true. And like, I am kind of a tornado in the kitchen and I like to cook, but I'm a little messy. So it's like, I'm spilling, I'm dropping. I, it's like, I can't, I can't have it. I like the way if you have hardwood floor and it continues into the kitchen, I think that always looks nice. So I get why people want to do it. Mm. But for me, I'm like, it's just, it'll look good the day you lay it down. And then, you know, nine months later, you're going to be like, yeah, why is there, why is it gray right right at the sink, you know, mm -hmm. and nobody really wants that. And I always try to talk people into considering the um, wood look porcelain floor tiles. They come in these like big planks and they look pretty realistic. So they're very cleanable um, and they're beautiful. But I feel like there's something about the porcelain tile that maybe scares people away a little bit. Like they think it's going to look fake. Um, but I don't know. I think it looks really cool. I use it in commercial projects all the time. And in commercial projects, everybody loves it because it's so easy to clean, but it has that richness to it. Um, yeah, I think it's a great option because it looks, it has a look of wood. Things that people might like about wood, like the uh, directionality of it and the texture and the 
color, I guess. You can get all different colors. And also, even in the plank, I have, even in the plank tile, there are so many different uh, looks to it, depending on the manufacturer. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can get ones that look like they've been live sawn or plain sawn with like the really active cathedrally grain. And then you can get ones that look like they've been quarter sawn and have a much more straight and refined grain. And you can get wide plank tiles or you can get skinny plank tiles. And it really, pretty much anything you would want to do in wood, you can do in the wood look porcelain tile. There's, it got really popular. And I think Basically, every tile manufacturer has some variety of it now, which is great. It's a really beautiful product. I think the only downside to that product is the acoustics, but you can do an acoustic underlayment below, and that helps a little bit. If you commit to having wood look tile in your kitchen, you might want to be bringing it out into other spaces so it looks kind of harmonious. And... Then, you know, if you come in with shoes, it's a little bit, it's, a, it's just a little bit louder than a regular wood flooring, but yeah, that's really the only downside. It's going to, it's really going to wear for a long time. You, it's going to stay clean. It's going to look brand new for years. Yeah. And then let's say there were, there's an open kitchen to dining situation. So it would seem like it'd be fairly simple to transition between the two materials in the in the space with the walls being open. What do you think? Like, how do you do that? Between the porcelain floor tile and like an, another flooring? Yeah, like the wood floor that's already in the dining room, let's say. So when they one meets the other at that line between, there's got to be a line. Right. If it's an open concept. Right. Yeah. I think that there's two important things that you should keep in mind one is wherever the transition is happening, it should kind of align with something, whether it's your kitchen island or a cased opening, but it needs to kind of look intentional. So if it's just kind of happening in the middle of the room and maybe like sometimes you'll see a flooring transition and it like cuts through and happens at the middle of a door and that doesn't look very nice. You want to align it with the edge of the door or the side of the door. And then the other thing that I think is actually super important is that the two flooring materials have a distinct contrast. So if you're choosing like a wood look honey colored porcelain floor tile and it's transitioning to a honey colored wood, they're going to be too similar. And you're going to start to notice like they're just a little bit off. And it'll be that thing where like they're just a little bit too close and you can't stop staring at it. So mm-hmm. if you go with like a dark wood porcelain floor tile and then your wood flooring is more of the traditional honey colored, that can give it a little bit more purpose and make it feel like the transition is intentional. Yeah. You're contrasting there. So yeah. what else could you use in the kitchen? If, if you weren't satisfied with that, very good suggestion. Well, so there's there's a lot of options, really, because when you're, when you're doing a kitchen, you want to keep in mind a couple of things, durability and then also cleanability, right? So one thing you can consider um, that I don't see a ton of, but I think is a really nice option is polished concrete. And some people actually have polished concrete as their subfloor. Um, it's 
a little bit less common in residential architecture, but you can pour concrete as a flooring and it'll look really industrial and really chic and it'll wear really nicely. Um, and so I think that's a really good option. If you're into that more modern aesthetic, I think that looks really nice. And then of course there's something like stone, People think about using stone on their countertops a lot, but you can use it on your floor as well. And you can have either the same stone that you have on your countertop, or again, you could contrast it really intensely. So you could have like a light colored stone on your counters and like a really dark, like absolute black granite on your floor. Mm. And that's really durable and really cleanable. And that'll come in lots of different sizes too. So you can get a stone tile that might be, you know, 12 by 12, or you could get a bigger one that's more of like a plank size. And I think that can be a really excellent option that I don't see a ton of. I'd like to see more of. Um, And then of course there's linoleum, which I never see because when I hear people talk about linoleum, they'll be like, oh, linoleum, so gross. Get it out of here, you know? Right. That's so unfair to linoleum. It is an awesome product. It's Linoleum is like the best thing ever. And I get what people are talking about when they say get the linoleum out of here because they're thinking of that embossed sheet vinyl that right. you get at like on a roll at mm-hmm. Home Depot. And that's oh, yeah. not, it's not, that's linoleum. not linoleum, but yet people call it like a band, like a bandaid Xerox situation where linoleum, it is not actually linoleum. It is sheet vinyl. Sheet vinyl. And so sheet vinyl say, like, Get the sheet of- vinyl out of here. We should definitely say that, but not yes. like the linoleum. Uh, we put that down in our last kitchen, this lava red. I think it might have even been called lava red. It was so awesome. So we, the thing I love about it is that the color goes all the way through. So if you get a little chip or something or a little divot, it's not like unlike the sheet vinyl, which is just printed on the top, right? We laid this beautiful floor in this red, red linoleum. I left. It was like hours later. I left the house. I came back and my dog had chewed a divot in it. Why? Why would you do that? Why, dog? So... But the good news was that even though there was like a little chewed spot, it was all red in the chewed spot. I was so mad, though. It was like I had not even had it for hours. It must have smelled like something. But it's a natural product. It's made from linseed oil. So your dog's sense of smell must be really excellent. But yeah, it was made. Wasn't it first made in about the 1860s? So it's an old green product. So why don't you tell us more about linoleum? Super green product, which is so cool because sheet vinyl, which everyone thinks is linoleum, is not. Sheet vinyl is not sustainable at all. It's terrible for the environment. Linoleum is basically pressed from linseed oil. It's so durable. Like you're saying, the color is through. So if it does dent or chip, it's not going to be super noticeable. And the, the different colors and textures that linoleum comes in now, I think are so cool. You can get a linoleum that has a little bit of a fleck to it, which is really pretty for flooring, but you can also use it on your cabinet door fronts or on your countertops and it'll come totally solid and it'll make your kitchen look super monolithic and really, really modern. But wait, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. We need to back up for a second on the cabinet front. So you're saying Mm -hmm. like, if you had a slab cabinet, like you move into a place that has slab cabinets that you don't love, 
It's not like linoleum is really that inexpensive, but you could totally change a look by just putting that on the face of the cabinet. You would have to, you probably couldn't just add it to the face because you have to um, have like a metal edge to finish it off, like yeah. a some kind of like a Schluter type metal receiver because the edge isn't finished. Okay. But um, yeah, the, it looks really good on millwork. And it looks, it looks basically like how you would want plastic laminate to look where it's smooth and it's one mm. color, but it's not going to chip and wear the way plastic laminate will. It, wow. it looks like, it almost looks like concrete or plaster. It's so smooth and just like really nice looking. Wow. That's amazing. That is an amazing idea, Amy. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, it comes in all these really cool colors because it is um, able to be dyed, but you can get uh, natural colors too. And if you do like a slate gray, it kind of starts to look more like concrete or stone. And because it does come as a rolled product, you, I think you can get linoleum as a tile too, but most of it is a sheet good. You're really not dealing with grout joints the way you would with any kind of a tile product. Even the uh, Woodlook porcelain floor is going to have grout and grout is always where your kind of weakest link is. That's where crumbs collect. That's where things start to discolor. And linoleum doesn't have that. There's, there's really just like a seam anywhere there's a transition. If you have a really small kitchen, you can pretty much get a seamless floor, which is so nice for cleaning and looks amazing. And the other thing is that um, it's softer underfoot than a tile. So the sure. acoustics issue I was talking about before with tile goes away, but then it's also a little bit more comfortable. So if you're if you are spending a long time in the kitchen, like Thanksgiving or something like that, you might start to feel it in your feet if you have a really hard flooring, but if you have a softer flooring like linoleum, it'll be a little bit more comfortable for a longer period of time. So I feel like linoleum's really like a win-win, win-win-win situation. Yeah, that's all right. It is. I love that. I do love linoleum. All right. So linoleum is at the top of my list. Of course, I have wood, as we've already said. What do you have in your kitchen? Tile. Tile. Yeah, but I'm in a rental, so. Oh, okay. So that doesn't count. Yeah. That doesn't count. But if I were completely redoing my kitchen, I think I'd go for linoleum yeah. or, or the plank tile. Anyway, so what about cork? People Ooh. often ask me about cork. Cork is so gorgeous. And I think that it can be a really cool flooring in certain rooms. Um, but cork has the same issues that wood does where when it gets wet or exposed to moisture, um, it starts to warp, it starts to discolor. Cork is super sustainable, but it's very, it's not very durable. Like I was going to say it's low traffic. You know, that's the, the term we use in commercial design. Things are either good for high traffic or low traffic and cork is low traffic. And I like to use cork on the walls a hundred percent. Like I think it makes a really cool wall texture. And I think if you wanted to do something like cork, as opposed to the wood flooring in your living room, that could be a really cool alternate alternative, but mm. I, I wouldn't do it in a kitchen. I think it's too, it, I think it'll start to peel up. Same thing with a bathroom. I think anywhere you're getting any level of moisture, cork will start to kind of warp and it'll be very sad. Mm. Okay. So cork on the wall seems like a good application. But yeah. Um, and 
you know, the thing about living rooms, at least in the work that I do, you know, with these um, renovations to these existing homes, that they usually already have wood in all the rooms. Right. So unless it's um, been really damaged and you're planning on taking it up and replacing it, they're probably just going to stick with wood. But if they're building an addition, then they have options of putting other stuff in there. Yeah. Like um, reclaimed wood or, you know, there are all these companies that have the They've reprocessed the barn boards or they've got some really cool old flooring that they're reusing. That's yeah. expensive, but I love that look too. Me too. Like the old um, bowling alley floors that mm. they've ripped up and it's like this old pine that looks so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think you're right. I think hardwood floors and, you know, softwood floors too are kind of, standard throughout most homes these days for sure yeah so can we talk for a second about hardwood versus softwood oh i would love to yeah because sometimes people want to pick a different wood species like you mentioned pine yeah yeah i if you've got really heavy traction going on pine's probably not your best bet i think one of the things that I see with an installation um, with pine is that if you use the skinnier planks, it gives it a little bit more dimensional stability than trying to do a wide plank. But there's actually a rating scale called the Jenka hardness test that rates all of the wood species. And, you know, anyone can look it up. It's on Wikipedia. I was looking at it the other day because I was trying to remember if like oak was sturdier than walnut. And I think it depends on the species, but Maple is actually like sugar maple um, is quite hard, quite sturdy. Oak is super, super durable. And then walnut also is is fairly sturdy. So those are kind of like, I'd say the the three the three kings of flooring. If you're if you're worried about scratching and scuffing and durability and if you're doing solid hardwood flooring, too, I think that those are the the three ones that I would recommend. Mm. Well, since you mentioned solid flooring, that brings up that there are some floorings that are not solid flooring. So why don't you talk about that for a second? Yeah. So there's a few different products out there. And so one is just having solid hardwood floor, which I think in renovations you're seeing less and less of just because of the price tag. And it can be easy to... Um, sing the praises of some of the other products out there that aren't solid. They kind of look the same, but a solid floor plank is just those wood species that it is all the way through. And like you were saying, the advantage to that is that if it does get dented or chipped, you'll just see more of that wood underneath and it won't look quite so bad. But then there are also flooring planks that are engineered, which means they have a thin it's not quite a veneer. It's a little bit thicker of a layer of the actual wood that you're seeing. And then below that is more like a, a workhorse wood, whether it's like a plywood or a, some kind of a particle board. And so that's a really good cost saving strategy. If you're looking to save money and you don't want to pay for a solid hardwood floor, um, and it can add dimensional stability too. if you're, if you're working with a type of wood that might be a little finicky, like bamboo is almost always on an engineered backing because you really like solid bamboo kind of tends to warp and shift a little bit. But then 
there's just straight up laminate wood flooring, which is like engineered wood flooring, except you're not, it's not a layer of wood. It's a layer of printed paper that's sealed and has a backing on it. And that is always really tempting to homeowners because it's so inexpensive and you'll see the sample in, you know, the showroom or whatever, and you'll be like, oh, it's the same. It's the same. But you know, it's, you can definitely feel underfoot the difference between like a laminate product and a wood product. I think the engineered product is usually like a good middle ground, but laminate wood, I try to stay away from. Like I would rather do like a wood look porcelain tile or just something else completely because I feel like it is not that durable. It does kind of start to peel up on the edges. It doesn't have that kind of like softness to it that wood, real wood does. Those are kind of like the three tiers. You've got solid wood plank that's the same wood all the way through and then engineered wood that's a, a slice of the, the finished wood and then a less expensive backing. And then there's the laminate product that doesn't really contain wood. It's mostly plastic and it's a printed image of wood on top. So mm. um, price-wise, you know, you can find where you want to be, but you're also um, you're also seeing a, a differentiation in durability between those three categories. Sustainability between the three can depend pretty, it can vary pretty wildly um, based on the species of wood, right? Because you could get a solid wood product that is not local and not sustainably harvest, harvested, and it's not good for the environment. Theoretically, an engineered wood product can have sustainability, sustainable aspects to it because you're using less of whatever that wood is, and then you could have like recycled content below. And then the laminate, you're they have they have plastics that are a little bit better and more sustainable, but in general, they tend to be not that great for the environment. So the most sustainable choice is probably what you were talking about before, the reclaimed wood, like that's always reduce, reuse, recycle, right? It's always gonna be more sustainable to pull from something that already exists rather than harvesting virgin resources. So that's something to consider. So all three could potentially be not sustainable. Um, mm -hmm. It's really about thinking about what your recycled content is. And then if there are any uh, coatings, anything like vinyl or PVC, then that gets to be not sustainable also. Right. There might be off-gassing from those. Yes. Smelly floors. Also, there's a life cycle of these floors. So if you install a wood floor, that's going to last 100 years or more. You're not going to replace it in your lifetime. Whereas the laminate floor, maybe, depending how long you live there. Yeah, the laminate floor you will probably see come and go. I think that's a pretty safe bet. But yeah, if you invest in like a really high quality, sturdy walnut floor, it, it'll be there for as long as you want it to. So yeah, that's a great point is that having to replace something adds to its sustainability. Speaking of which, that brings us to carpet, which which I don't really deal with very much because typically I don't, people don't install that when they're doing their renovations. So usually they're removing it and putting in something else. But things that I think are gross about carpet are, like when you take up a carpet, there's a ton of stuff underneath it. It's so gross. 
I try not to think about things too much, but I mean, actually, why is it so gross? It's just people's skin. So, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, so what do you think about carpet? Obviously, there are lots of different grades of carpet. Well, wall to wall. What do I call it? Wall to wall carpet. Wall to wall broadloom carpet, right? Meaning it's a rolled sheet good, just like linoleum comes in a giant roll and you unroll it. I mean, I haven't seen anyone use that in years. I think that there are really beautiful wall to wall broadloom products that you can get, especially for a room like the bedroom. If you know that you like just want to be barefoot all the time and you want things to be uh, comfortable from a temperature aspect, you're never going to step onto like a cold floor. There can be really good benefits to using wall-to-wall carpet. But I think that like, like you're saying, it is the product itself. Generally what you see in homes is a little bland. It's a little like, it's all one yarn, you know, some of the the broad looms that I like to specify have texture to them um, and variation and pattern. If you want to bring in pattern, carpet can be a really great way to do that. Um, so I'm not totally against broad loom. From a practicality side, though, the tricky thing with broad loom is that um, if you stain a section of it, that stain is there forever. And if you have a solid carpet the way like all the homes I lived in in my childhood in the 80s where it was just like a solid tan all the way through <laughs> yeah you know you whatever you spill a glass of grape juice and there's just going to be like a big stain in the middle of the floor and there's really not a lot you can do about it um so that is one reason why I'm a big fan of carpet tile which I think you see less and less in residential use, but in the commercial world, it's like a way of life. Like you use carpet tile on everything for so many reasons. It's really quite affordable compared to hardwood or even tile. It prices out quite reasonably, but the difference with carpet tile versus broadloom is that if you spill something on it, you order a few extra, keep them in your closet. And usually they're pretty durable, like the commercial grade ones, like you can, you can actually stick one in the dishwasher, like lift it up and wash in the dishwasher. Wow. The manufacturer won't tell you to do that though. So um, it's like kind of a secret. Um, But it's cleanable. And then if you really end up staining it, you can lift it up and replace it and still have the rest of your carpet in perfectly good shape. Um, I think the other cool thing about carpet tile, and I'm sure there are broadloom companies that are being a little bit more considerate of their backing, but one of the the like least sustainable aspects of carpet is the backing, whether it be a rubber backing or some kind of PVC backing, all of those fibers have to adhere to something a little bit sturdier. And that's where you kind of get that gross stuff. Um, But there are really good companies out there that are using backing that's made from 100% recycled content. And it really, it just helps the carpet feel a little bit fresher. And there are companies out there like Interface that have buyback programs. So if you ever get rid of your carpet tile, they will take it away for you and they'll recycle the backing, which is really important. Mm. Yeah. That's on the carpet tile, not carpet tile, not in the broad loom. Yeah. 
this is the way I've always looked at it. If you had the hardwood floor and then you put a carpet over it, that's not the best of both. I mean, then you could, there's so many other options for just a area rug or a carpet, whatever you want to call that. Yeah, like a beautiful area rug. I think that that's a great solution. And that helps with the acoustics too, because that provides a little bit of softness. And it also helps define whatever your seating area is. So I think area rugs are a great option. And you can use carpet tiles as an area rug. That's what I have. You can kind of just collect them. The edges are finished. You can create a pattern. They look great, but it's the same wearability. Whereas if you spill something, you can clean it really easily. So I I like tiles a lot. Yeah. And why don't people use them in a residential application, do you think? Because they, the plushness of them is a little bit reduced. They're Mm -hmm. a little bit thinner and slimmer. I think a lot of times people want area rugs that are like huge tufty things that you might want to like lie down on and take a nap and you're not going to get that out of a carpet tile. Uh, (laughs) um, And, and I think it's just a little bit less textural. Like you're not going to get that look of like a sisal or something that has like a lot of dimension to it. Carpet tile is pretty flat. So I think that that often turns people off, but when you get it in your space, it works so well. It's such a practical material to have. Like if you have pets or if you have kids or you just have a high traffic home, I think it's probably my one of my favorite materials to use in like a living space or a bedroom. I think it's a really cool, often overlooked product. Okay, great. Have we missed any flooring type? Carpet, wood, linoleum, tile, laminate, concrete. That's kind of like the big ones, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. And they're all, anything else would be in one of those categories. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. All right. Well, that that's still a lot to choose from. Oh, yeah. There's so many options to choose from. I think that's the, that's the hardest part is that it can be overwhelming because you could really go so many different ways. But, yeah. uh, you know, when you think about durability and you think about acoustics and what you need, that can kind of help narrow down the choices. So I think in our last episode together, you talked about having a theme for your space. Yeah. So that would help narrow it down. Absolutely. Whatever the story of your home is, whether it's, you know, restoring the home to its original state, and then you can kind of research maybe what was used during the time that your home was built. If it's like a 1920s house, what was common then? Or if you can find pictures of the home originally, that can help too. Um, Or, you know, if you're doing something that's a little bit more modern, what would kind of fit into that story? So yeah, I think that Mm. definitely helps narrow things down. So if you're going for, let's say, a nautical story. Yes. Like in your kitchen. What would you do for flooring in that case? Nautical and... Who, first of all, let's just say, I don't know who would be going for a nautical kitchen. Oh, people love... It could happen. Oh, it, do they? Oh, gosh, okay. yeah. Is it? Are we thinking nautical and kind of like transitional or nautical and modern? Hmm, let's go with nautical and modern. Okay. In that case, what I would recommend doing is a poured concrete floor, but get a topping that looks a little bit swirly where you've got some variation in the aggregate and it's Mm. almost going to look like sand. Whoa. Amy, that's like next level. Yeah. Can I I ask you, like, how would you actually do that if you're in a traditional wood framed house and the kitchen isn't on slab, it's like on joists, right? Do you put a subfloor in and then line that and then you pour the concrete in there? And that's just 
wouldn't be too heavy or anything? Yeah, that's what I would do. And I think um, if, yeah, as, as long as you have that subflooring in there, you can pour it. I don't think it would be too heavy, um, especially if it's a relatively regular sized kitchen. You know, if you're doing like your entire first floor, that right, might yeah, be a different story. Expand. Yeah. But um, yeah. And if you have to, you can always have a little bit of a transition strip, which a lot of kitchens have anyways, whether it's like a marble saddle to keep water in, you'll see mm-hmm. that a lot. So you can use that if there's any kind of inch differentiation in the rest of your floor. Cool. Well, that's, that's, um, I'm going to be thinking about that a lot. I think the sand, uh, the sand concrete floor, cause that's just not one of the options people usually come up with. No. <laughs> they, they, want, they ask me for in their kitchen. So, well, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about these options and hopefully, hopefully that'll help to narrow it down for some people. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I love talking about flooring. It's, um, it's so, it's so important. It's like the base of the whole entire space. It's what gets the most wear and tear. So it is a really important decision and it visually, it takes up so much space in your home. So it's, it's important to consider it thoroughly. So happy to talk about it. And you have your own podcast. Yeah, I do. Um, I have a podcast called Soft Landing. It's available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and basically anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And I release episodes every Wednesday. And I talk about a wide variety of interior design topics, whether it be specific materials. I just released a couple of episodes where I go in depth on wood or sometimes what I've been doing recently is I'll talk about um, how architects and designers are portrayed in TV and film and how realistic it is or is not, which is a lot of fun. But if you're just curious about the world of interior design, you can come on over and have a listen and learn a thing or two and hopefully have some fun. Yeah, I haven't I haven't heard those episodes on the architect and interior designers in movies. That is definitely a topic I enjoy exploring. Yes. So I will check those out. That's very cool. And then you're on Instagram, which is where I see yes. you a lot. Yes, I'm on Instagram often. Soft Landing Podcast is my handle. And, um, you know, I'm just putting up pictures and making little reels and trying to trying to have fun, you know. Yeah. And your your listener is a homeowner. Right. So it's not other designers, but it's for people who are just redoing their spaces and might want to learn more. Yes. Just like me. Exactly. Have a similar audience, I'd say. Exactly. If you feel clueless, come to Soft Landing. Like that's I I I am here for you. Like <laughs> I want I want to educate the world about interior design. That's my mission. That's great. It's a great mission. Yeah, we could all use advice. So thanks, Amy. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. So there you have it, basic flooring options for your renovation. Thanks again, Amy, for taking the time. And I'm looking forward to having you back again to talk about wall treatment sometime soon. And thanks to you for listening. This is the last episode of the second season. I am so excited about the third season. There'll be more about that next week. That's when I'll be back with that. Um, Not taking a break or anything, but yeah, I have my... Music is rearranged, same tune, but different arrangement. I'm going to have a new episode type called Architect's Perspective, which is like home renovations or like the renovation stories, but um, from an architect's point of view, talking about 
uh, projects that they worked on. So I'm pretty excited about that angle. And we're going to be talking more about sustainability because, you know, I'm interested in that. And I feel like maybe we could work in doing whatever we can do to try to make uh, less of an impact with our various actions. So pretty excited about that. If you have any episode ideas or any ideas at all that you just want to share, uh, send me an email at uh, thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Talking Home Renovations, TikTok on The House Maven, Twitter, Talking Home Reno, and I'm also on Clubhouse kind of a lot, just as myself. So uh, follow me there if you want to, and I'm trying to get my own room going over there. So if you'd like to join me, let me know on that. Direct message me there. TalkingHomeRenovations.com is my website. And there I have the episode enhancement for this particular episode, as well as all the other ones. Recently, anyway, I'm working on past ones as I am with the transcript. So a work in progress, but go check that out. And I have this tab on the side of my website that is for leaving a voicemail. And that's where I'm really hoping that people are going to call me and tell me about maybe strange things they have found when they've been renovating their house. The other day, I had a plumber over here and uh, he was telling me these stories about finding like a brick of money taped to a clawfoot tub and that sort of thing. And I asked him if he wanted to be Want to leave that on my on my voicemail to be on my podcast. And strangely, he said no. If you have stories like this and you want to tell me, I would be really excited to put together a little, um, you know, compilation of short stories. Anyway, if you liked this episode or, you know, the show in general, please, please tell your friends and you can leave a review and, um, you know, a five-star rating. Let's just make it five stars at uh, wherever you get your podcast. But apple or uh, spotify so anyway that would be that would be really helpful and you know if you want to subscribe to my mailing list every wednesday morning when the show comes out i also send out a uh, the episode enhancement straight to your email so uh, your inbox you don't have to you don't have to even think about it twice because there it will be 6 a.m eastern anyway really excited about next week Please stay tuned for that. And as always, this is a production of Demios Architects, my architecture firm, where we believe architects are for everyone. So until next time, take care.